What up, what up? Welcome back to the Galati Pod, episode eight of the Galati Pod. What up, Internet Raj? Uh, this is your host, Sean Galati, along with the homie, the co-host, Peter Prionis. What up, y'all? Uh, so the pod is in, obviously, a much more upbeat fashion this week, coming off a fresh win against Notre Dame in the big house, night game, in the rain, in the elements. I was there uh, sending our own, as we always do. Are your clothes dry yet? <laughs> uh, just barely. But, well, after the snow we just got today in <laughs> Chicago, uh, they are definitely not dry anymore. Uh, anyway, um, so we'll go ahead and start the pod this week. We'll do a little bit of a game experience recap. Saw a lot of people in town uh, back in Inaro. It was super fun. Uh, then we'll get in a little bit of game recap. We're going to do a bit of an experimental pod We've been doing that a couple of times now this year, and it's kind of turned out okay. It's been fun. So we're going to do that again today. Um, and yeah, then we'll talk about some larger implications, as we always do. And of course, is that Michigan fan base always likes to talk about at any given moment. Uh, and then we'll end the pod. So anyway, let's start with the fun stuff. Yeah, so I was, uh, I was home on the couch watching <laughs> the game, uh, which was still fun. Um, what was your game day like? Okay, so... Your boy was on vacation, so that's why we didn't do a pod last week after the Penn State game. Uh, even though, I mean, I mean that was a kind of a downer of a game too. So maybe a good time to take a little bit of a break. Uh, and then I went to Michigan last Thursday. Okay. And drove into Ann Arbor on Saturday, and it was kind of like an all-day like game day experience. It was super fun. So like the weather, rain-wise, really peaked at nighttime. Like that's when the rain was like. It was like expected like over an inch of rainfall at nighttime, but the daytime was like cloudy, but still pretty nice out. Uh, and so many people were in town. So a lot of shout outs for a lot of the college crew. Uh, it was basically just like a college reunion. That's one of the great things in my opinion about going to a sports school is that these reunions just like automatically happen. Like even if you weren't planning on having a reunion with 30 of your friends, sometimes that just might happen on a random Saturday. It just comes together. It just all works out. So shout out to a bunch of people. I know we got a lot of those people listening to the podcast, so I got to shout them out. Uh, shout out to uh, Nithin Ravi, his brother Ashwin Ravi, uh, Nikhil Gupta, who didn't come to Ann Arbor, but he was back in Michigan. I'll still shout him out. Shout out to Ryan DeLeon. He was in Ann Arbor. Uh, Naveen. Um, Prithi, Akshay, um, I'm going to miss a bunch of people now that I started listing people like this, <laughs> uh, Cheyenne, Tom, my sister, Sheena was there. We went to the game together, uh, Farheen, um, yeah, just a bunch of people, Chelsea, I'm going to miss so many people. <laughs> you better have told you all hello for me too. Cause I made sure to ask. Yeah, exactly. Um, I anyway, out. So we had an awesome game day experience. We started off at Dominic's actually. Nice. Uh, on the patio there, we got some constant buzz. Uh, got some Oberons. We we're drinking on the back patio Beautiful. there, and then we went over to uh, Shine's one of Shine's friends who was uh, hosting a tailgate for like thirty people she didn't know in her okay. backyard, and then uh, we started playing uh, a ton of. Uh, beer games, obviously. Obviously. We just got to throw it back to the beer to game days for sure. Uh, so we started playing uh, a, one game we call Asheville, just because we started playing it in Asheville. Basically, it's like a beer pong flip cup combo, like so many games are nowadays. But then the highlight, obviously. Hit me. Flonky Ball. Flonky Ball. <laughs> uh, the one and only. The one and only. So, Peter, you've played Flonky. I have. have. You, 
Yeah. Okay. We both played Flunky Ball. So shout out to Nithin. I think he's the one that initially brought this over and exposed all of us to it. I think he brought it back after an international trip where these Dutch people taught him how to play. Anyway. Love the Dutch. Can't have. <laughs> it's about time on the Galati Pod that we talked about this damn game yes. because it has really brightened up so much, so much Saturday tailgating experiences. So I got to tell you guys the rules because I'm just in love with this game. Let's hear them. So uh, you got two teams, even number of people. They're each standing with a full beer at their feet, and basically you go down the line. One team will go first, where one guy in the end will throw a rock or a piece of fruit that had fallen <laughs> off a nearby tree as we did this past Saturday and throw it at this beer can that's just sitting in the middle. And then if that person hits the can over, someone on their team has to run to the can, flip it back up, right back up, and then run back. And in the time they're doing that, the whole team that hit the can, they're drinking their beer. Chugging. So it's basically the first team, whole team that finishes their beer, and it's just wildly fun. It's a great kind of game because the winning team is the one that's drinking the most, right? Exactly. You want to be drinking. Exactly. Not punishment drinking games like most games are. Probably. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So it rewards you with a drink when you're doing well. Uh, and it's just so fun. It's just a great outdoor game to play with buddies when there's obviously a lot of cans of beer around when you're playing, when you're tailgating. Exactly. It reminds me of like the, the, you know, the generation above where like when I was your age, we just played with a stick and a rock. It's like literally all you need is a rock. <laughs> and exactly. It's still so much fun. We used to play in, uh, Cheyenne and Nithin's backyard in, uh, in an arbor and they just had a whole driveway full of rocks. We used to go, we were so competitive about this game. We used to like walk around the driveway, like hunting for like the, the best shape, the, the perfect rock. And we would like hoard them and like hide them away from the other team. <laughs> Is that the, uh, ma- the main lane house? Uh, that was the one on, uh, shoot, I'm forgetting the name right off the right. What's on the street with Gandy dancer. Oh yeah. Um, Is that but- depot? Yeah, Depot, Depot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's what, yeah, that house is on Shout Depot. out to that house. Shout out to Depot. <laughs> I, have, I have not pre-gamed there in a long time. Yeah, the good house. They good don't live house. there anymore. I'm assuming. Uh, I did walk by my senior house, though, so okay. that, was, that was kind of fun. They painted it a different color. That wasn't fun. <laughs> Maser blue? No, it was green. Why? You can't paint a house green in Damn it. It looks weird. Uh, anyway, enough of the game recap there. Well, actually... So then me and my sister uh, went to the game afterward. That was fun. I think she said it was her first game back at the big house in a while. So that was good for her. Uh, got some time with the family. Um, watched a winning game in the big house in the rain, which was, I mean, not enjoyable while experiencing it. But, I mean, super fun in hindsight. <laughs> and the players were having a blast. Honestly, I was just underdressed. So that's <laughs> on my own doing. But, yeah, super fun game day experience for sure. The rain's fun when you win. For sure. Yeah. If you went, if I attended that game as a loss, I would just be, I mean, yeah, miserable. We've, we've been there. <laughs> we've been there. <laughs> exactly. All right, then. So let's switch it up. Uh, we'll go right into the game recap then. All right. So we're doing this experimental pod this week. And basically, we're right before the pod, we were like, all right, let's get a refresher. Let's watch these highlights. And then we we're just like, huh why don't we just play the highlights and then narrate them as we go and talk about them? Because I mean, that's kind of what we do anyway. So might as well sure. just like watch it and comment it on live. So how we're going to do is I'll play part of the highlights. One of the two of us will narrate the play. You can start with the first one gotcha. and then we'll just talk about it. Well, we can also hit the brakes, keep moving if something's not that interesting. For anyway, sure. We'll go by play it by ear. 
Uh, all right, we'll start it off then with this one. All right, we got the first play in the first quarter. Uh, Matt Weil, a.k.a. Will Hart, back to punt from the goal line. Uh, the snap's high. He corrals it. It gets blocked. Goes just past the line of scrimmage. Some doofus tries to grab it from Notre Dame. Uh, it's bouncing around, squirting around, and none other than Dax Hill, uh, freshman phenom, at the bottom of the pile with the football. Dude just getting after it. It was the the best early best play from scrimmage for Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clearly, I mean that was going to give the Notre Dame the ball like at our thirty. So I mean, game changing play for sure. Definitely, while the game is still zero zero. Uh, anyway, let's keep going. Then not much to talk about there. Just a special teams play. So I'll go ahead and narrate this one. So we have. A handoff to Zach Charbonnet from R40, running down the right sideline, pushed out at about the three-yard line. Um, and we'll kind of just let this run uh, right into the – well, so let's talk about the, that play then a little yeah. bit. Because obviously – so this is the first scoring drive of the game, but Charbonnet gets pushed out at the three-yard line. And you could tell me what you were thinking about that play. Yeah, I was, I was watching the, the game, uh, and I had just finished watching the Auburn-LSU game, and a similar thing had happened in that game where it was just the defense was so strong, and our offense, I know, um, at least at that point in, in life, to be pretty weak. And I thought, that's four points off the board right there. Um, I think Charbonnet did what he could to get in the end zone, but um, that, that three yards made the difference between a field goal and touchdown. For sure. Uh, you got to just push, punch those points in. I mean, I don't necessarily blame him on that particular play, although no. he probably could have, like, tried if he wanted to to get in the end zone on that particular play. But, I mean, difference of four points there uh, definitely can make the difference in a big game like this. Uh, we didn't know at the time, obviously, that we're going to blow him out. Sure. Um, all right, so we'll go right into the next play then. All right, so we're up 3 nothing. We're, we got the ball second down and in, in five inside the 10. We got a handoff to Charbonnet up the middle for a touchdown. Uh, we had the uh, the potential keep for Patterson, so there was a defender looking at him. So we had a, a little more space um, with the with the run option there. All right, so not necessarily some specific comment about this particular play, but I just got a question for you in general. Clearly, Michigan's offense before the season more of a power offense. A lot of situations where we have a fullback, we're in the eye, power running situations. That's the team that Zach Charbonnet commits to. Now, we are a definite a spread team. Uh, Zach Charbonnet is lined up alongside the quarterback. Um, and clearly, in my opinion, and I think Urban Meyer has a video on this as well, where uh, he talks about how Charbonnet is like the prototypical eye back. Hmm. And um, Michigan's scheme has now shifted. I'm just curious on your opinion. How do you think Zach Charbonnet is fitting into this offense? And I don't know. Do you think we're utilizing him as best we can? And or do you think there's a better back for this offense? That's a lot of questions. Yeah, um, I gave you too many questions. Let me let me think about it. I mean, I think Charbonnet kind of, at least in the Michigan uniform, reminds me a bit of Ty Isaac. Like he's ta taller yeah. guy, kind of elusive but not that elusive right um can kind of use a combination of his body size and his uh balance to get through tacklers i think that i mean i don't know that i put this on him i think that our offense is still evolving in such a way that we don't know how to use any running backs like i mean the biggest thing i think michigan fans have done in this 
this season so far is like try to imagine, well, what would it look like with Chris Evans on this team who was suspended before the season started? And he's the kind of guy who played in a more of a spread offense in, in high school who seemed like the kind of back that would be complementary to these guys. And I don't really see a whole lot of play calling dependent on the running back that's lined up uh, on the play. And maybe that's just my novice eye, but I, I think that they're still trying to figure out what the offense looks like. And, and that's, you know, kind of the, the first goal for the team. And, and I think that you'll see him continue to grow over the next few years. Um, but I don't, I mean, I'm at the point now where I don't think he's necessarily the best back on the team and I wouldn't really argue for anyone else over him either. I think there's, right. there's really just a platoon and, and they're all kind of guys. And I think this game highlights what they can do when you have a good, good line of scrimmage um, uh, and, and see the offensive line take care of business. Yeah. A hundred percent. So I, I think I agree with all of that. Um, Charbonnet here's, here's my take on it. I think Charbonnet is the best fitted for a power. eye offense. We don't have that anymore. That doesn't mean he's, not good at running the spread i just think he's definitely the best back on the team he is a swiss army knife he's good at everything doesn't mean he's necessarily uh as great of a back as say like i think urban said jk dobbins that is a prototypical spread back and i know exactly what he means sure uh he's really good at having this elite speed on the outside he's really good at making a great cut one great cut when the teams are spreading either to the mm-hmm. right or to the left um and zach charbonnet isn't as great at those particular things but he brings a lot more to the table and in, in like things like pass protection running up the middle obviously um so i think he's really good for us this year but one thing that i am excited about that i briefly mentioned to peter before the pod is that we do have this a uh, small speedster of a back named Blake Corum, who's committed to Michigan as a 2020 commit coming in next year. And I'm really excited about that. Um, I think uh, Josh Gaddis is also very excited <laughs> about that. Uh, just getting these speedster weapons that we have. I know Mikey saying we're still Giles Jackson and now potentially Blake Corum, like these small speedster guys. I'm just, I think that'll bode really well for us in our offense moving forward yeah and you got to think that the way that our wide receivers provide different skill sets uh to the to the to the play calling you got to imagine that running backs are going to do the same thing and i think we'll see more of that as our offense gels for sure all right onward as jim harbaugh likes to say we'll keep going in the game recap we're in the second quarter 13 minutes left we got a handoff to hassan haskins and he just straight up hurdles this dude Whoop. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll go right in the next play. Same drive. Hand off to Charbonnet. Punches in it for the score from the one or two yard line. Michigan touchdown. Puts us up 17 nothing. First half. Boom. Uh, one thing I want to mention about that play was uh, so, as you guys know, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you probably should at GalatiPod. But um, I posted a video of Cesar Ruiz. Um, walking off the field on this play and just how pumped he was after this touchdown and he retweeted it that video this was just like last night that i posted it uh that video already has 9300 views and like 400 likes and uh yeah shout out to caesar ruiz that was hilarious they were feeling it and they should have been i mean this is really the first game this season that even against poor opponent i mean i guess we had Rutgers. But otherwise, there, like, there haven't been a lot of games like this where we just really opened it up and we're, we're ahead for the majority of the game and feeling good and flowing. Like This is really, um, 
I think maybe I'm missing something, but other than Rutgers, the only game that felt like this. Yeah, yeah. Against a top 10 opponent, which is, I mean, that just feels That's good a, for sure. maybe another conversation about Notre Dame, but all the same. True, true. Big game. True. Um, one thing that I'm Although noticing. Vegas knows, and Vegas had them favored. So That's true. One <laughs> thing I'm noticing before we get to the next play is that uh, at the end of the first quarter, it was 3 nothing. And at the end of half, it was 17 nothing. Yeah. Um, and w- the play we're about to start is with five minutes left in the third quarter. So a lot of our scoring happened kind of in this, uh, this downpour towards the end of the game. Which yeah. I-, I guess maybe I wasn't quite as aware of when it was happening. The downpour part? It felt steadier than, than, than the score shows as the, as the game's going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. I see what you're saying. All right. You want to narrate this one? I got gotcha. you. So we're up 17-0. Uh, this is uh, Notre Dame with the ball. They run a really great fake play with the tight end coming to the back, leaking out the backside for a wide-open touchdown. Of course, that was on the drive that was perpetuated by um, the pretty errant pass interference call on Khalil Hudson um, that, that drew a lot of ire from the Michigan fan base. You can tell me about how, that, how, the, how the fans reacted there. Uh, I think the fans – I mean – I think the fans reacted to the stadium pretty much exactly as the fans reacted <laughs> all over America, whether you're a Michigan fan or not. Literally, it's honestly just another terrible call. Like, this one doesn't stand out as anything particularly bad. It just stands out as another horrible call. I mean, definitely Michigan has had several of these, but... Did you see the highlight? Yeah. Okay, I because th- I think it does stand out as particularly bad, even amongst bad calls. I think you can... In the Penn State game, there were also literally two of those. Um, I didn't watch much. Of that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, th- I mean, I think it was like the kind of thing where they're hardly touching. Yeah. Uh, and you throw a, f- a penalty flag on that. And, that. and that's the point of the game. And I, I really had this going through my mind, and you can't blame me for it. But I literally thought that was going to be the cause of our loss was that penalty, yeah. which leads them to a scoring drive. And now all of a sudden, it's a 10 point game. Right, exactly. And if anything, that's offensive PI. Like it was that bad. It was neither. It was neither. Really. But 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 yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It was it was a really horrible call. Horrible call for sure. Uh. Anyway, we'll go right in the next play. Then Michigan gets the ball back, and as Peter said, it's a tighter game situation now. Seventeen seven. End of the third quarter. Uh. Shea Patterson throws it to the right side, and DPJ comes up with a great catch here. Fingertips. Uh, in the rain and scoops it up to prevent it from hitting the ground and catch, catches a touchdown there. Uh, DPJ definitely had a couple drops in the Penn State game. Uh, looked okay in the Penn State game. Uh, that was a big catch. And I just thought that was so impressive and kind of another part of the larger picture in this game in general. For those people who weren't at the game, it was freaking downpouring. Mm-hmm. And those are the games where you see low-scoring games. And those are the games where, I mean, I actually don't know what the official over-under was, but everyone betting the under was, like, celebrating before the game, uh, saying, like, there's no way no, anybody <laughs> hits his over in this game, which was, well, I mean, definitely the right bet to make before the game. It was raining so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and my feet, like, this is part of the reason why I was just so underdressed, was, like, my foot, my footwear was made of, like, mesh, basically. I was just standing <laughs> in puddles the whole game. Um, and... Yeah, that was just another impressive catch. One of many impressive catches on a just totally disastrous weather day, which was impressive to me. Yeah, I think a lot of times uh, cynical fans, and this isn't just Michigan, but but all schools, uh, will say things like, well, players just got to make plays. Um, and I think on this play in particular, <laughs> right, Shea got hit as he was throwing. Um, yeah. The pass probably would have been better if he hadn't gotten hit as throwing. 
he still got the ball out. It was not a pretty pass. Uh, yeah. and, and DPJ made a really difficult catch. And I think that was like kind of the epitome of both guys doing well with like limited resources in that instance. And so I think, uh, you know, you look at this game, especially coming off the Penn State loss where there were a lot of opportunities um, that, that maybe could have changed the tide for us to see players making these plays again in this instance where it's a 10-point game only. Right. All right. Fourth quarter, big boy time. Peter, you got this one. Yep. So Michigan's up 24-7 at this point. We got the ball on the 15-yard line. Patterson's in the shotgun. Snap comes back. He's looking left. He throws the fade. We've got Nico Collins for a catch in coverage for the touchdown. Um, that is a play call that is uh, not infallible, but it's, it's pretty pretty damn close. That was an impressive play call. You should be. You can definitely switch careers and become a, a play-by-play guy on the sideline if you want to. I appreciate it. That I have well been done. known. I have been known to critique uh, commentators <laughs> for their poor performance. Now I'll take your. <laughs> Usually, I like to say, "Well, you don't know what it's like in their shoes," but I mean, you're you're doing really well. So, I mean, another great pitch and catch. Nico still remains Mr. Reliable in terms of best hands on the team, I think. Uh, we'll go right into the next play then. Here's a handoff to True Wilson uh, at our own, at their 30-yard line. Cuts it back inside right before the end zone and keeps it in for the score. Takes Michigan up 38-7. to um, I, I think that's just like another great thing about the offensive production in this game. So many guys were able to get in the end zone, and you love to see that. Yeah, it's just great. And you see the one thing that, that was, I think, notable on that play is you actually had Patterson ahead of True Wilson looking for a block. He didn't really make a block, but yeah. there really wasn't a great one to to make. Um, but you think about a quarterback handing off the ball and still getting down the field in time. Um, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I watched the full highlights of this game. I heard Kirk Herbstreet uh, talk about that play. They were both celebrating uh, how the effort that Shea Patterson made, even though he actually didn't really do anything yeah. in terms of a block. Their but. commentary on Shea was hilarious. Uh, I think I think Herb Street was trolling for a little bit in the first half. <laughs> Probably. Where he, he said, uh, this is an aside, but he, he said um, he said that Shea looked really confident under uh, under center, and he hadn't completed a pass yet <laughs> at that point. <laughs> he's like, you can really tell he looks confident, and I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> and he's not really under center that much. That, that too. <laughs> um, okay, we'll go into the next play then. Uh, you can take this one. Uh, Michigan up big, 38-7. Notre Dame's got the ball with just under seven minutes left. Um, we've got a fumble from the quarterback, the backup, whatever his name is, and none other than boom, freshman phenom Dax Hill scoops it up under the pile again for another fumble recovery. He's just he's just everywhere the ball is. He's everywhere. Uh, you got to make plays. <laughs> exactly, he's making plays, uh, and there were a number of players who touched the ball on the ground. There, um, he was able to get on it for sure. All right, then we'll go right into the next play. I'm hoping this is the one I'm super excited for, which it is. Uh, Dylan McCaffrey drops back, dumps it off to his uh, true freshman wide receiver, Mikey Sainristal, on the left side, cuts it up, spin moves, stays on his feet, goes in for the score, 40-yard touchdown. Boom. Quite impressive. That was super impressive. A guy who, one, follows me on Twitter, so shout out <laughs> to him for that. And two, he's just, um, I mean, he's just one of the, him and Giles are just so elusive, and I think they're already showing, obviously, a lot of 
uh, strong talent early on in their true freshman careers, and I'm just so excited for them moving forward. And one thing I actually want to highlight about that play, despite how impressive it was with the spin move and everything, is something not to do with that play because this this touchdown, if you just watch the highlights, makes it seem like, oh, okay, Dylan McCaffrey's in. He threw it through the true freshman. This is kind of garbage time, which it, this play was – but Mikey was playing with the big boys earlier on in the game. Mikey was playing with Nico. Mikey was playing with DPJ. And I mean, this kind of this game kind of showed how the offseason hype was for Mikey heading into the season, how how good he looked when he enrolled early and how much like Shea and the other wide receiver crew, how highly they think of him. Um, yeah, I'm just super happy for Mikey, and that was a huge play in the game. And um yeah. Yeah, I think we had a uh, a real talker overreaction about him a few weeks past, but he did leave the, lead the team in receptions and receiving yards this game. Boom. Um, which was a whopping three receptions, but still uh, in a rain game, it's nice to see him targeted. And so it wasn't all that play. Um, it was it was uh, he was on the field a lot, um, and he was getting targets. Yeah, I mean Shea Patterson. They just showed the stat up when they took him out of the game. He was six <laughs> for twelve. So I mean, clearly not a lot of passes. Our first like scoring drive was like nine runs or something. So, I mean, that's kind of the game you expect to kind of happen in a rain game. Although, uh, I mean, when big boy school meets big boy school, you're not sure if you can really pound the rock as much as you want to. And we did to our credit. So, yeah. And the one thing to note, too, about the rain, and you can comment on this since you were in there in person, but it seemed like it led up towards the, the end of halftime in the second half. And so, we've built this lead on the rain and we're maybe a little bit worried about Notre Dame coming back with more favorable conditions than the first half. Um, I was a little bit worried about that. I know from the couch, Yeah. Um, but still we were able to keep piling on and keep our defense on them. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, and then the last play, do you even want to show this one? It's their score. It's a Notre Dame touchdown. I say we don't. Yeah, <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> All right. Good game recap. <laughs> we did it <laughs> experimental pod session of narrating the highlights uh a little bit like tiny desktop if you're a fan of that podcast but on the ringer um anyway let's jump into the larger implications of this game and uh let one let's talk about what how it impacts uh your opinion of the team and your outlook for the season and then two, I want to get your thoughts on what you think about our offense moving forward. So let's start with the first one. Gotcha. Uh, how does this affect your opinion of the team uh, this year and season outlook? I don't think it affects my opinion a whole lot, and that might just be me. Ooh. I, yeah, I think. I mean, a I think bit of a downer. <laughs> it is. No, I d- d- believe me. But wait with me. So I think. I mean, I, I expected us to lose this game, and this game surprised me as much as it surprised anyone. I think. Um, I'm going to say, just not to thump my chest, but I did say I think we're going to win that game before the game. So I'll, I'll give you that props. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I think that really there's only one game on the schedule that this makes me feel a whole lot different about, and it's the Michigan State game. Um, I think, uh, and I, I texted a few people before, uh, before this game on Saturday and said, really, all I care about the rest of the season is beating Michigan State. Yeah. Because a loss to them would be, would be bad. Um, that's still true. Uh, I'm feeling much more confident about that game. Uh, I don't look at the Ohio State game much differently, at least not with any confidence. Um, and I think that the rest of our, our opponents look pretty beatable. So I think in the terms of the outlook for this season, um, I, th- I think it would be it's going to be some nice momentum, I hope. Um, but I, 
I'm still in a little bit of wait and see mode to see how we play week in and week out. Yeah. So large, I mean, I'd see what you're saying for the most part. Uh, I will say from my perspective and my opinion, uh, it does change my opinion of this team this year, just because, uh, going into the season, five tough games on schedule, Wisconsin, Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State. And we started off the season 0-2 in those tough games. So going into this one, um, yeah, I mean, I did predict us to lose the first two games um, before those games individually happened. I did think we would bounce back in this one just because I was um, impressed on how we looked in the second Mm -hmm. half against Penn State. But um, just in terms of the season outlook, I want to come out of the season not 0-5 in those games for sure. Uh, I want to come out of these games winning uh, these games against the big rivals. Um, and I want to, especially given the, the special circumstances of this one, where we're literally not playing them for another uh, 15 years or so until 2033, yeah. like how they announced last game. So that really um, made this game a little sweeter, knowing that they're going to have to sit on this loss for 15 years with an absolute thumping at Michigan in this game. Um, especially given that they were the ones that turned down the series clearly. Agreed. Um, so that was amazing. Um, but as far as this team in particular, um, it just gives me motivation moving forward. We put six super solid straight quarters together. It really irritates me that Don Brown thought he should put a safety on KJ Hamler two individual times in both halves and Josh Metellus and Brad Hawkins, um, both went for scores in that game. Like, I really think we could have had a chance in that game if you don't make bonehead decisions in that play out. <laughs> but anyway, uh, as far as the season outlook goes, I'm much more excited about this team moving forward. Michigan state's piling up losses. I think they have at least four now. Um, and so I am still thinking we're going to win that game. Ohio State, I agree with you. They look borderline ridiculous. Uh, not borderline ridiculous. They look ridiculous. Uh, so I think still think we're going to lose that game. So as much as I want to say this game impacts how I look on those particular two teams, it doesn't really. So doesn't really. I So I agree with you there. But in terms of my impression, my feelings of this season, I think it was big. Yeah. And I think, too, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to project down and, and see, like, well, what's it going to look like at the end of the season reflecting back? And this this win is certainly important in that. Um, because I think if you look at a loss to this team, that's that that does really sour the mood. Um, you look at the Ohio State game um, down the road. If that's if we're competitive in that game, I think that they're good enough to where that's an acceptable performance. Like if we get if we get trashed in that game, then that's it's not going to make our season look any different than feeling that. I mean, that's that's kind of what my, where I've been at the last few seasons is like losing that game colors the entire season, um, good or bad. Yeah. So what I've kind of come in now, uh, <laughs> and this is probably a good conversation to have, but my thoughts on the Ohio State game, as we were kind of discussing on the pod or on our high school text thread uh, last week, was uh, I'm coming to the realization that our performance in the Ohio State game uh, in recent years is less of a result of Michigan's deficiencies and more of a result of Ohio State supremacy in the recent decade. Uh, Michigan, comparatively to how we've performed forever, is literally putting up records that we've always done. We've never been 12-0 and 0 like every other year like Ohio State's doing yeah. right now. Uh, we've always been like somewhere between an 8-4 and 4 and 11-1 and 1 type of team. Um, and... 
previously that was fine because your bar is Ohio State and they were also in that same range range yeah. or worse or worse so we were putting up wins at least 50% of the time against them um but now even though Harbaugh comes and he brings your program back to a level that it's ever the best it's ever been the same that it's ever been before at its heights um it still doesn't feel as good because the bar is Ohio State and that's the biggest team on our schedule and that's the biggest game potentially in college football when it's good. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm less disappointed than I was when we were losing this game earlier on in this decade when I thought we, we weren't at our heights. But now that we are and we're still losing this game, I'm less down. Yeah. Well, I I think one thing that I've got hope for is that the trajectory of this season might look different. Like the last couple of years when we have been competitive going into the Ohio state game, it seemed like we've been white knuckling it for the few weeks beforehand, like last season and two seasons ago and the season before it's like every, every year it's like, we're like, we're starting off fairly strong and like skidding into that game where we're almost losing to Indiana or, or playing Maryland yeah. close. And it's like, if even if we lose to Ohio State, if this season turns around where like we're looking awful in the beginning of the season or questionable, uh, and we start to look better at the end of the season, that's the traject that's the in season trajectory you want. For sure. And on that note, let's talk about one big positive in the trajectory. I mean, it's the main positive in the trajectory, in my opinion, <laughs> and that's the offense. Um started off the season, uh just totally not in line with where they thought we thought they would be in terms of getting a new coordinator and returning so much talent. Mm -hmm. And in the past six quarters, they've really looked like an offense that impresses us spread offense, uh, finally getting the bubble screens in on the outside. As I begged on the podcast for us to do two weeks ago, uh, and getting more, getting Mikey involved, getting DPJ in these uh, dump off routes, getting Ronnie Bell in these bubble screens, and then that really opens up the middle for Charbonnet. Charbonnet was exploding for runs in the second half against Penn State, exploded in runs in this game, and I just think the offense is really. They now started exploiting the outside, getting those easy yards. That's opened up the middle. And now we're exploiting all areas of the field, mm -hmm. which we previously were not doing with our consistent runs up the middle. Um, so I'm much more excited about this offense moving forward. Uh, I'm much more excited about Josh Gaddis as a coordinator moving forward. We already knew the players loved him. I already know he's a great recruiter. So now things are really coming together in my perspective for the offense. So... One, what are your thoughts? Are you in agreement with me there? And then two, um, so I'll frame the question like this. Uh, aside from, so last year, Ohio State throttled us. Yes. Previously, it seemed like we were losing that game largely because of our offense. Our defense was coming in solid in a lot of those games. Like we had John O'Corn throwing up this horrible pass um, but our defense showed their sh did really well in that game. We had the double overtime game where again, uh, our offense really couldn't put it together as much as we would hoped with the Wilton Spate game, a lot of fumbles in that game as well. Um, I'm not sure if our offense could have put up 62 points last year. No. Um, that seems like a daunting task. So that's probably more of a defense last year, but, um, yeah. Do you feel like our offense can compete, uh, with an Ohio state? 
this year? Definitely not. Um, just because their offense is that good or because, uh, well, just them as a whole <laughs> this this year? I mean, I think it's just really hard to call our offense good. Uh, I think yeah. there's just that's not fair. enough information on that. And um, I, I mean, think that's a good take. The one th- I do agree with a lot of what you said, and I think one thing that you maybe implied but didn't say specifically, which I have been harping on for a few weeks, is the Patterson keep. And so he had 11 carries this game, Yeah, which is just that's how your offense opens up. That's how you have these runs up the middle is because you're making someone pay attention to you. And so yeah. he doesn't need to have 50 or 100 rushing yards in a game to keep a linebacker honest and open up the game for the running backs in the middle. And so I think that's, in addition to all the aspects you mentioned, like a component that's promising moving forward. No doubt. But I just, I mean... I don't know. There's just something that that I really have been soured into this. I, I'll believe it when I see it mode. And even, uh, even with when regard I, to Ohio State, it, just the offense in general. Like, how confident oh, okay. are you that the offense is going to look good the next few weeks? I think they will. The next few weeks being pre Ohio State. Yeah, I think they'll look good. Like, do you think they'll look good every game? I think they'll look good every game. Okay, I definitely don't. The Michigan State game will be the best test of that, obviously, because their defense is good. But, yeah, I'm, I think they will. I mean, I'm hopeful for that. But I, I, it's like, see it, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, and then even I might not believe it right away. I just, I think, <laughs> I just think there's too many variables that are, are shaky. Like, I look at our receivers as pros. Like, I think that they're good. They're, like, not infallible because they've dropped some passes. No doubt. But I think you look at the O-line has been in and out of, of, of performing well. The running backs have looked pretty good but also fumbled a bit. Yeah. Patterson's a big question mark. And then over all of that, you've got our like brain trust, offensive brain trust, which I'm not going to disagree with you that there's been six pretty good quarters, but there's been a whole lot of bad quarters before that this season where they've looked pretty incompetent. So For sure. I, I don't know that it's a trend enough to be – confident moving forward i guess if we came out on maryland and scored a million points like maybe i'd feel a bit differently but i'll tell you one reason why maybe you should i mean don't tell me how to feel yeah i'm not gonna tell you how to feel but i'll tell you one thing that's in my favor in this point is that the past six quarters were against two good teams true relative to the next three games the past six quarters were against actual competition and our offense did well so I'm hopeful moving forward in the next three games. Uh, anyway, we'll see how we do against Ohio State. We'll see how we could do against Michigan State next week or just in a few days. We're going against Maryland. Um, so we'll go right into the rap outro then. Uh, this week, I forgot we have a rap outro and I haven't picked <laughs> a song. So it'll be some sort of surprise for both you and I. Uh, anyway, uh, so we'll go ahead and... <sighs> <laughs> That's gonna time in well. Should that should we do Will Smith Miami? We could do that one. Uh, uh, uh. South Beach, bringing the heat. Uh. <laughs> I think we have to now. Now we have to. All right, the rap outro is Will Smith Miami. Uh, anyway, got any thoughts on Maryland and or the team, our team before the Maryland game? Um, not a lot. I, I was just uh, I was thinking about uh, my brother recently moved to Maryland, and I haven't talked to him yet to see if he's going to the game. Um, that was the first thing that came to mind. Uh, the second thing that came to mind is uh, that maybe some of you know that both the Maryland head coach and Josh Gaddis were working together on the Alabama offensive staff last season and have had some offseason beef um, about who should be responsible for Alabama's offense last year. So uh, 
think, I don't know his first name, Loxley, uh, yeah. is the head coach at Maryland. And so he was talking some smack earlier this season, and uh, and it didn't really live up to the hype. They had some good wins, and then they've looked pretty awful since. So yeah, um, haven't watched a lot. I know their quarterback play has been pretty inconsistent. They've had a number of guys in and out with injuries and whatnot. Um, so we shall see um, how we play against also a pretty, pretty um, active and spread type of offense. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think my eyes, exactly as you just mentioned, are going to be on our defense this game. Well, that's kind of not true. I'm very pretty excited about our offense as well in <laughs> uh, against this game. But pretty much I got nothing else to add. Uh, I'm excited about this team moving forward. Definitely beyond this season as well. I think this past game was uh, inspired a lot of hope. Uh, uh, for for the fans, for sure. Uh, anyway, we'll go ahead and end the pod right there. I think that was a pretty successful uh, kickoff back in the pod yeah. uh, after one week of hiatus uh, last week after the Penn State game. Uh, so we'll go ahead and end the pod right there. You got any last thoughts? Uh, no, nothing hot, happy. I was just looking at the Penn State box score, which I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't seen yet, so I won't, I won't end it with there. <laughs> anyway, we'll go ahead and end the pod right there. Thanks all for subscribing. We got some good action on Twitter this week, so shout out to all the new followers of the pod. Uh, thanks all for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, as you always do. Much appreciated. Uh, we'll go ahead and end the pod right there. We'll see you guys next week. Five stars. Go Blue. Peace out.